The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today, the Thursday Bulletin, as always I'm joined by JP Mason and Declan McConville. Welcome back guys, loads to talk about Um, and unfortunately some of the things that we're talking about is taking the focus away from uh, a new era for Celtic, a new management a new, I was going to say management team, a new manager. Um, some new recruits, uh, that uh, one of whom we saw performing yesterday, uh, the first game in a while yesterday, but we're going to have to speak once again about Lee Griffiths. Uh, before we do that, JP, interesting choice of jersey across your right shoulder. Um, what's your thoughts on this Sunday, first and foremost? Buongiorno, uh, Paul. Come inside. <laughs> that's that's about the extent of my Italian, but uh, in actual fact, I was thinking about this before we came over here. I get taught Italian at school by a Geordie, and so we get taught Italian in a Geordie accent. So it was like Brilliant. dove dove il supermercato, you know, like that, that's my best Geordie. But uh, um, <laughs> Miss Beatty was my Italian Italian teacher, but she was also a Geordie. So there was always a a Geordie twang to any Italian words that we learned, and I just thought of that. Right there. <laughs> so uh, I, this Sunday, I mean, uh, Italy, uh, you know, Scotland is is with you a hundred percent. I mean, this, this can't happen. If, if it was bad enough last night, then the, the, a final and a victory is just, you know, it's beyond. I'm relaxed about this, Declan. <laughs> do you share my enthusiasm? Do you share my optimism for Sunday? I'm pretty relaxed about Sunday's final. Yeah, um, you know, Italy have, have shown their quality against Belgium and Spain and obviously, on the other hand, England put out Germany. But I think in terms of the quality throughout those teams, Italy have, have shown their worth in this tournament and are just the quality side from, you know, from the very position of the goalkeeper right up to Kiro Immobile. So I'm not too worried again last night, you know, extra time against a side that they were all over for 90 minutes and then get a jammy penalty. Um I still don't think it's a penalty. Don't get the point in VAR when you know you can't correct your error, and that's ultimately what gets them through. So nah, I'm not too worried at all. And I think you know guys like Chiellini and Bonucci will stick the boot into big games. So, so I think I think we'll be all right. 
I think so, I think so. We're not going to labour the international scene. There is plenty to talk about in relation to uh, the rip-roaring, the free-scoring, the never-boring Glasgow Celtic. Uh, again, let's have a wee look at that number over your shoulder. It was 10 times that when we started, JP. Only 12 days to go to Michelin. And um, there's going to be a massive question mark over whether Lee Griffiths will be involved in that game. Uh, before we get on to Lee Griffiths, uh, James Forrest. You know, so he's isolating again. Um, he's been in close contact with someone with COVID. And Ange Postacoglu, when asked about it post-match yesterday, wasn't able to confirm or otherwise at this moment in time if he would be part of the team. But he wasn't concerned about his fitness due to the fact that, obviously, he's been at the Euros as well. Yet another blow. I mean, we're trying to start this new era, JP, and already it almost seems stop-start. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a horrible continuation, really, of, of all the, the things that blighted us last season, which, you know, a lot of it was COVID-related. Let's not let's not uh, step away from that. I, I've been battered in comments uh, that I've made about COVID and how it's affected us, and I've never tried to fly that, oh, it's affected us more than other clubs, because obviously it's affected every club across the board, but we really do seem to have, you know, Forrest being the latest casualty, um, albeit, you know, he's, he's fine. But, I mean, I've just had to self-isolate myself for four days for exactly the same reason. Um, I'm okay, you know, I, I knew I didn't have it, but it's, it's so frustrating to have to basically, you know, jail yourself for four days and not be able to do anything. So it's, it must be even more frustrating when you're a footballer and you're wanting to contribute to the... You know the the restart, I guess, what you want to call it, of, of Celtic under Postecoglou, and I just, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope that, um, I hope that it doesn't affect as as uh, the start of the season. You know, obviously, people need that kind of like those few games under their belt before a big game, mm. and he is a big game player. You know, he might divide opinion a little bit in the Celtic support, certainly from some of the guys that sit around about me at Celtic Park who have given him dogs abuse over the years, even when he's scoring, you know, match-winning goals and things like that in Champions League qualifiers. But, yeah, he needs, you know, he needs games under his belt and then all of a sudden, bang, 12 days and we've got our first competitive game and he won't have had the same, he won't be as up to speed as, as the rest of them. It is a frustration. Uh, Declan McConville also begs a question. If he doesn't play, then who does? Um, I think that, you know, we are well aware of the players within the squad, the wider squad, who can play in that position. Karamoko Dembele, for example, could fit in there. Um, and Marion Sved, but where is Marion Sved? I don't think he's in Wales, is he? No, not a clue where Marion Sved is. Um, even Karamoko Dembele, I think he was caught in training pictures, but yesterday... Nowhere near either the, the one of the teams. So um, begs another question. But again, I think yesterday it was Owen Moffat that played off that right hand channel, and uh, you know, cracking goal, absolutely terrific finish. Thought he's he played well. And I'm sure Ange Postecoglou was impressed by him. So you never know. Um, you know, but we'll just see what happens in the rest of these pre-season games that we've got. Know that I'm saying fire him right in, 19 year old, but he never did anything to harm. His chances are. Um, being the, the, the pick that Andrew's got if James Forrest isn't available for Midtjylland? Because Declan's brought him up and he is on the list of topics to discuss, let's have a wee chat about the young kid. Um, because I agree with you, Declan, I thought he was he was outstanding. There was a few youngsters that caught my eye and we'll talk about that once we get to the Wednesday game. But seeing how, he, how he's been brought up, um, Ange Postecoglou, JP, has spoken about having faith in the youth and how important that's going to be to, to rebuild Celtic. Um, he's went out there, he's played an, an absolute blinder, let's be honest, uh, with the corkscrew curls, the ginger hair. Um, he's a Denny lad. He's a Denny lad, which oh, I've really? got to I've got to admit, you know, going into the game yesterday when I seen the team lines, probably like a lot of Celtic fans, I was scrambling about having a look at the academy pages to try and uh, find out a wee bit more about some of the players, JP, that I'm not familiar with. Um, some of them will be playing for the Colts next year, I'm sure. But here's a guy who's done himself absolutely no harm in any way, shape or form. Next thing you know, James Forrest is isolating. We're coming up to a big game. Uh, we've not really seen much of Dembele. We don't know where Sved is. Um, and you just never know. The worlds could align 
uh, and this guy is thrown in. Uh, but I take Declan's concern, I really do, because I don't like players coming in and all of a sudden he's the next X, Y and Z. Um, and, you know, I, I was always also very impressed with his post-match uh, comments. He came across really, really well, JP, very humble. Um, so what, what was your thoughts about his performance and what a goal, what a goal he scored? Oh, great goal, yeah. I just, uh, I watched... The majority of it this morning on the on the playback feature, and um, thanks to the past the paradise, um, and uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought he looked uh, really lively. Kind of looks like a, a character from Gregory's Girl or something like that. You know, he's got that kind of you know, like it doesn't look over this time. You know, you could Mick imagine. Mick was the comparison yesterday, JP, in Twitter. What? Mick Cocknell. Oh no, Mick Cocknell. I see he was getting. A little bit harsh, a little bit harsh. I was thinking more of just like a one of the wee guys that cutting about Gregory's girl with like the total retro, you know, the Umbro Scotland tracky with the Umbro badges all down the side. But I, I, I could just imagine him in that in the seventies with a big, huge lapel collar as well. Um, I mean, never my imagination. <laughs> no, not of his time. It's an interesting thing that you say there because remember Neil Lennon used to say that about Paddy McCourt. He was like yeah. a 1970s throwback, Aye. and uh, quite often on Twitter, I've been called an early 2000s throwback. So <laughs> I get what you're saying there, JP. But a hugely impressive debut. I know, no, he took his goal really well. He looked, looked, uh, looked excited, looked hungry for the ball, and. Just looked lively, and we got plenty of plaudits from the from the the commentators. Uh, Joe Ledley being one of them, and that was quite uh, cool to see him back in amongst it. I always like Joe Ledley as a as a player for Celtic, and um, so yeah, no, it was it was it, it was good that you know could this like you said could it, could the stars align? Could it be a moment whereby he gets an opportunity, a la Kieran Tierney getting an opportunity, you know, way back when, um, and because if if he gets a jersey and he plays well. Then you wouldn't really want to take it off him, would you? So I mean, and then right at the start of the season as well, if he gets if he gets faith put in him in that game in Mitchelland uh, or against Mitchelland, should I say? Mm. Then you know, if you perform on that level, when you really are kind of doing a kind of frimpong style, weighing your marker down, well, I can do it for you. So you know, it'll get it'll keep getting played, but we'll wait and see. Absolutely, and we're in that situation at the moment where we're getting to see some of the young guys that ordinarily we won't we wouldn't have seen, and I, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I'm always massive on uh, young talent coming through at Celtic in the best traditions of the club. Uh, the fact he's from Denny, which is nearly Mockingland, um, also helps. So big shout out to the Denny CSC if you're watching. Now we need to speak about. Griffiths. We need to talk about Griffiths once again. Um, now, he missed last season's pre-season camp in France due to being unfit. Um, now, the decision to hand him a new contract, again, we spoke about it at length on a Celtic state of mind. It divided the Axom team. It divided the Celtic support. Uh, certainly not down the middle, by the way. It wasn't a 50-50 divide. I mean, far more people were saying he should be hunted and should have been hunted a long time ago. Uh, but the decision to hand him, you know, it was met with a great deal of disapproval, I think it's fair to say. And now... He's been sent home from our training camp in Wales. And this is due to, and I'm going to be careful about how we word uh, this section of the show, allegations of improper online behaviour uh, with an underage girl um, with the focus on allegations at this stage. So please respect the fact there's so much we can and can't say about this at this moment in time. Uh, the club will now look um, into this matter carefully was the quote coming out from a club spokesperson. Police Scotland said that they are making inquiries and assessing for criminality. So they're having a look to see if anything that's happened is criminal. Um, now, I think everybody by this stage knows what we're referring to. And, uh, you know, it would be easy for me to say, if found guilty, we should do this. Uh, if not, we should do that. Uh, I have uh, a, a real fixed view on this. And, you know, anyone, anyone who is involved in improper conduct of this nature, um, that kind of behaviour cannot be condoned. Uh, you don't want that kind of behaviour um, at our football club. Simple as that. And I'm not specifically talking about Lee Griffiths because at this stage, I don't know what the evidential value of anything is. Um, but that's as much as we can really say on the matter. If that has been 
proven to be real, then the club will act, I'm sure, and we will comment on that. Um, it is a, what would you call a developing story. But over the last couple of weeks, uh, leading up to this story, in actual fact, uh, Declan and JP, and we were talking about this before we came on on uh, live. I've been in, I've been told I've been told by a number of females that uh, getting messages from footballers has become the norm. Messages of this type. Now we know that the allegation is that this is an underage girl, and yet that adds a, a far more uh, serious uh, undercurrent to the allegation. But in terms of footballers sending messages uh, willy nilly, uh, and that pardon the pun, two girls, um, and it's become the norm. And some of them are saying that they are bombarded, bombarded with messages. Um, Basically, what's being used is Instagram and Snapchat. Now, at that point, Declan, we're talking about people who are in relationships, people who are married, um, but a lot of these people who are perhaps representing football clubs that uh, you buy into emotionally, financially. And we're now at a situ in a situation where there seems to be a toxic culture of this. Um, and there will be quite a lot of footballers looking at that ticker tape this morning on Sky Sports, safe in the knowledge that they may have done similar, and I don't mean underage girls, but I mean sharing images, asking for uh, pictures from females, etc. Declan, it's a very difficult one for clubs to deal with, but surely steps have to be taken to combat this. Yeah, they, they do. Again, I don't think it's just a football problem. Um, there's been stuff in politics in the past few years that we've seen come out of this and people lose their jobs over it. Um, so it's not just in football, but again, it's people in powers, sorry, in position of power using that to, you know, get their own way as such. And, it, you know, it's not right. So, you know, the right steps have to be taken in this and um, the investigation will happen. But in terms of the wider context of football clubs, especially in organisations, you know, it brings them into disrepute and starts to question, um, you know, them as an organisation. So the right steps have to be taken in this. Um, and again, it's just another long list and a list of issues that, you know, the Griffiths has had. So we'll, we'll see what happens on this. But yeah, it's not right. And um, in terms of the context of it, not the actual situation, um, because that will obviously have investigation will take place into that but yeah, it's something that you know probably does have to be looked at in terms of why this continues to happen not just in the football world political world and other parts of society where people in positions of power feel as if they can do this and get away with it This is the thing that's the aggravator Declan you've hit the nail on the head people in position or profiles of power right so when you're looking JP at a situation it's not about me being out of touch with society I know that uh, males and females indulge and engage in this way and if it's two uh, adults and they're quite happy with it fine back in my day I had a mobile phone that was like a brick it worked like a pager it cost you 12 pence a text so it was a wee bit different back then JP so it was I think I still might have it I might have kept a hold of that yes um, but that—that's what that, I'm not saying that you know people should communicate in this way. If that's what they choose to do, absolutely fine. But what I'm saying is that we're in a situation where even you even just have to look at last season. So we've got a situation with Jeremy Frimpong. We know what happened with the female coming over from America, etc., etc. Um, but there was also something shared online about a video, you know, where he was actually speaking to someone's daughter online live, and then the Aquaflex moment as well. And when we were getting news coming through last year about Lee Griffiths and there was all this uh, kind of, you know, images in the gym and all that carry on. And I suggested, JP, and I know you just suggested before we came live here, get him off, get him off the thing. I mean, let's concentrate on the football here. No matter what happens and how this develops, it's going to end badly. Now, I understand how footballers try to create a brand. I get that. Right, so social media is a big part of that. They use it. It's also a way, JP, of engaging with fans in a way that they couldn't engage before. Because, you know, footballers now, in terms of the relationship and the engagement opportunities that they have with fans, is completely different from what it was, you know, 20, even 20, 30 years ago. You know, you can't go up to uh, Barrafield or wait outside the ground as much as you did on a daily basis. So, coming back from training, engaging with them, they're so protected. So, I get 
why they use social media. But, I mean, this is the kind of thing that's happening time and time again, JP. I mean, I, I look at the club and I think, they're almost powerless. They're going to have to deal with this. Of course they are, and they will deal with it properly. But they're almost powerless to to this kind of behaviour that you would expect better from players representing your club, surely? Yeah, I think it's when, when a player has a profile and, you know, it's like you said, in the, back in, God, I can't believe I say this, but back in our day, you know, back in the, the 90s or whatever, you couldn't just get access to a football player, you know, through the internet, do you know what I mean? If you wanted to actually ever have any conversation with a football player, you need to go to Archaeos or something like that on the, in the town, you know, and, and hope you might bump into them in the VIP room. But like now... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Girls can get access to, or girls or guys can get access to a football player through direct message on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And that opens up a channel that then is reversible. So the player, if he is uh, wanting to do, will can then get in touch with a girl, in, in which case this is allegedly what's happened here. And I just, I, uh, I just despair that it's something yet again that you know it could have been any player. And you know, shock horror is, is, is you know potentially uh, Lee Griffiths, and you just you just you just despair that, that you know just as you see maybe getting a, a, a redemption, a shot of redemption, uh, and then and then this doesn't happen. You, know, you think well, it's not even football related. You know, it's not even as if he's you know not fit or carrying a bit of weight or anything like that. It's something completely out with football. It just is that leaves a you know, a bad taste in the mouth and the thing is as well, it's not so, you know I, I don't know, it's, it's not so punishable, it's not as if he's going to get 10 years in Barlini for this, right? You know, that that's not what it is, but it's just it's a really grey area whereby it's kind of like, well this isn't cool if this is what's happened and therefore, you know everyone's just kind of left going you know, this is probably a lot of people, you know, are thinking time's up for them Oh yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's a sad state of affairs if that is the case. Well, the thing is, the thing is, JP, and as I say, and I've said, and I'll say this again, um, at this moment in time, you are dealing with uh, a minute piece of information. Therefore, we're not even, and you'll notice if you went back on what we've said, we're not even naming uh, the player. Uh, we're, we're naming an allegation. We're not saying that he's guilty of that mm-hmm. allegation. Um, however, when the club deal with it. Um, they will deal with it for, obviously from the civil perspective and the police will deal with the criminal aspect of it. Uh, one way or another this will develop and we will be speaking about it again and we will be speaking about that player again for all the wrong reasons and uh, it's the worst possible time. Now Declan when I was looking at the interviews, the post-match interviews yesterday, I seen a lot of feedback coming through on Ange Postacoglu's demeanour the content of some of his answers and I was thinking it could well be the the usual, you know, we're, we're hanging on every word at this moment in time, Declan, aren't we? Uh, we're maybe looking too deeply into um, how he appears to be, but there was a bit of concern about Ange Postacoglu. Do you think it's all relating to the fact that he's dealing with a lot of other stuff off the park uh, where all he wants to concentrate on is the football? Yeah, it will be. You know, this has been a um, a stressful time for him in terms of trying to actually get into to the country to get started to then you know kick off at Lennox Town and take the team down to Wales as well as that he's trying to deal with COVID protocols and everything else from that players wanting to leave probably is another issue he's got ongoing conversations whereas you know yesterday was just pre-season friendly at Sheffield Wednesday and I think all he's probably wanting to focus on is the, the players in the park so I don't think there's anything really to read into it. It was his first game. I thought um, 
you know, he changed the when he changed the team, he, he definitely said something about around thirty minutes and obviously we came back out. So the shape looked good, I thought the high tempo looked decent, players looked there was a togetherness in the team, which I think he's been lacking from Celtic. So I, I won't read too much into it and we'll just kinda of see how the next game goes against Bristol City on Saturday. But yeah, I thought it was a decent first out for him and obviously they've been pleased at three goals and, and winning the game. Yeah, um, loads of comments coming through, understandably, uh, due to the nature of one of the main headlines. But uh, what I would like to say is that, uh, no, I wouldn't back any footballer who is engaged in such behaviour. However, we need to know evidentially what has been done before we comment on the specific player in question. We're talking about an allegation that is breaking news. It's uh, currently being discussed on major broadcasters' channels as we speak. And he is a Celtic player, and that is why he's been discussed here. Let's have a wee chat then about the rebuild, JP, because again, you know, we know how big it is. Um, I think Ange Postacoglu uh, will have known that before he's come back to the club. He's looking at the squad as much as he possibly can uh, during these games. Uh, But we have been linked with loads of players and I think it was his comments around him having no real control over that that got some people concerned. But again... We're maybe just looking too much into his words. We've been linked with Mario Vuskovic, Carol Starfelt, uh, George Baldock, Aaron Hickey, Kyle Edwards. I'm pretty sure there is loads of work happening behind the scenes. But as I said yesterday, um, in the first friendly match played by Martin O'Neill, we had not brought in any new players. And in the first friendly match um, played under Brendan Rodgers, we had only brought in one and that was Mr Dembele, who didn't play in the first game. Um, but we're in kind of different territory now, aren't we, JP? We need to get bodies in, and we need to get them in quickly. Um, do you share some of the concerns that I was what I was looking at on social media? Um, I, I, I'd a little bit, a little bit. I mean, I, I, like I said last week, I just think that the transfer market climate is massively different to what it would have been uh, in Martin O'Neill's time, when it would have been, you know, signings and transfers every single day you know uh, in that window and then if it was a window even at that point I don't know if it was just was it a window at that point no because remember Lenny came in quite a bit later in the season didn't he of course yeah he did that came in the the December because his (laughs) debut was Dens Park did he a gat last minute off the knee Uh, what a a night that was what a finish oh it was brilliant I remember my mate Michael saying you could just imagine loads of TVs and radios getting flung out of windows, not by Celtic supporters, but by supporters of the other team who'd be <laughs> tuning in, you know, expecting us to drop points. And then uh, that went in. That was good. Uh, but I know, I, I think, I think I'm, I, I'm, I'm quite calm about it in that we can only do what we can do in the current environment. You can't, you, you can't make a transfer market happen as one club. You know, it's either a, it's either a bustling transfer market or it's not. And, I, and right now, I don't really think it is. Um, the signings that we've been linked with, I, I'd never heard of Carol Starfelt, but I mean, it's a great name. <laughs> I'm glad he's international. And the video that Colin shared of him singing Modern Talkings, uh, You're My Heart, You're My Soul, won me over straight away. <laughs> so, I mean, before he's even kicked the ball, he's, 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 a, he's a, a good guy in my book because that was a pretty good part. And I think it was for Russian TV or something like that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, just also to pick up uh, on a point coming in on the comments section uh, what I've noticed and I, I, it seems to be even more prevalent now than ever JP is that uh, people are picking things up that you see online and twisting them deliberately or otherwise and creating some different narrative as if it was you that said it now Roddy no, this pod isn't actually saying that everybody does it. That's an absolute nonsense to suggest that. We're not saying that at all. What we're trying to say is that there is a toxic culture at this moment in time, and I found this out from speaking to uh, a number of females over the last few weeks, that footballers are constantly bombarding 
uh, females, young or otherwise, with requests for images. And that is something that's happening. And we were talking about it in the wider um, respect of how Celtic are treating the situation, how they're going to deal with the situation. And uh, so, no, that's not what the podcast was trying to uh, say in any way, shape or form, JP. But it is quite frustrating at times, JP, where you read things that you have allegedly said um, or done or uh, been criticised for online when you think to yourself, I don't even want to engage with that online because then I'm getting pulled into an argument, even though I'm just trying to clarify what's happened. Yeah, yeah, that, that, <laughs> I've learned the hard way to stay away from the YouTube comments on this video because people pick up on stuff you say and, and it, it's it's completely, you know, I ended up having a, a back and forward last week with a guy and we were both basically saying the same thing, but he'd taken what I'd said out of context and I hear about... Um, Celtic fans want and are expecting the club to spend money and and I think that's what most people do think right now that we do we should be going out and spending four or five million pounds on key positions in the team um, and I just don't think that that's going to happen and that's what I was saying how it ended up getting mixed up last week I have no idea but um, that's what I was saying um, but yeah it, does, it, it can get it can get completely um, misconstrued especially on Twitter where it's just like a sentence and then you know, I mean that part of it, Mark Hughes. You're getting hung out to dry for that. It's it, it's so so stupid. You, all you did was at that I, point. I'm happy to talk. I'm happy to talk about it. No one's actually asked me about it. Uh, interestingly enough, but uh, the accusations around that that I was somehow trying to work as a, some kind of recruitment liaison yeah. between a manager and the club that I had taken time out of my day to phone him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ask the question. The scenario was completely different. I know. Uh, and in actual fact, uh, anyone let's let's take it right back to the the basics. Anybody who was speaking to a potential manager or footballer uh, who said during that conversation, "I want to go to that club," right? Anybody who's been involved in this scenario where they're talking to someone, and then the first question you would say is, "And do you mind if that that is that quote's used?" And if they say, no, actually, I would love you to put that out there. I would love you to use that quote. And then you put it out. I see it all the time, all the time. But I think what happened, JP, is who do you think you are? You're not a journalist. You're not a voice of the fans. Therefore, you're not allowed to have the freedom of that speech. As it happens, Mark Hughes wasn't my first choice for the Celtic manager. Near was Ange Postacoglu. Um, you know, so the way that it's construed and misconstrued, that tweet, Right, resulted in 750 notifications over that weekend. Right, <laughs> the vast majority of which were abusive. Mm. Right, it got five over 500,000 impressions. I couldn't believe, and I didn't do it to get clicks because I don't have a clickbait site. I wouldn't mm. dream of doing that. But if I'm speaking, let's say, to uh, a footballer who says oh, I'd love to sign for Celtic, and he's out of contract and he's 28 years of age, I'm going to tweet that. Why wouldn't I? But people, you know, instantly think you're fame, you're fame hungry, you're attention seeking, and if anybody is actually taking the time to speak to me, they know that that's quite far removed from the type of person I am. However, I've never really used this platform to defend myself, JP. So cheers for bringing it up. Yeah, um, it just bugs me every time I see people like putting the boot in about that because it's it's like, well, and if you actually step back and analyse what you said. It wasn't at the point where we'd appointed Ange Postacoglu. It was the day after or the day of the Eddie Howe thing breaking down. So it wasn't like you jumping in and saying, oh, well, no, you've got Ange Postacoglu, but I've got Mark Hughes here. It was like you were pointing out the fact that there was a guy with premiership experience who was available and wanted the job. That is the end of the story as far as I'm concerned. That's exactly what happened. Anything else is just somebody being mischievous as far as I'm concerned. But again, there's the nature of social media. I JP, you oh. put out you put out a good news story, it's not going to get the same traction. But mm. hey-ho, that's the world in which we live. Um, Declan, we are talking about the rebuild. We're talking about concerns around uh, some of the signings. We've been linked to numerous players. Uh, now, JP talks about bringing in someone of a certain quality or of a certain standard. And I figure... That, that he used around the ballpark a four or a five million pound player I found it interesting yesterday that both Barkas and Ayeti started he was asked about it he says listen these guys have got a clean slate 
What's your thoughts on that? Because I'm still of the view that one of the main areas we need to strengthen in is still the goalkeeper's uh, position. I still don't think we've got a goalkeeper that fills me with any kind of confidence. You know, I'm still very much so divided on it because of the whole situation that happened last year by um, Barkey, as he's now referred to. Um, Due to the fact that we brought him in for a decent fee, um, he started to get injured in the game against AC Milan, Disappeared out of the team. Scott Bain came back in. Scott Bain then, you know, went a run in the team. Then Hazard ended up coming in. But then, while that was going on, and we changed goalkeepers, the back four or three or whatever formation we decided to play that week was constantly changing. So for mm-hmm. a goalkeeper, you know, in terms of their confidence, it does not help them and it doesn't bring any stability to your backline when that's changing so much. But then after that, the manager came out and said, he's my number one. Yeah. That's fine. Okay, cool. So then he plays, plays the game at, just before um, the Dubai debacle. Come back, he plays at Livingston. Then he's dropped. Don't see him again. You know, Neil Lennon then departs the club. John Kennedy comes in. He doesn't play him. So he just completely disappears. So I think in terms of his own confidence, coming to Glasgow in the middle of a pandemic, probably not helped coming from Greece and... I think we're staying in a hotel and all these different factors to, to kind of put into it. Now he said that time, it's a clean slate for everyone. You know, as society starts to open back up, hopefully he can do a bit of mixing with his, his teammates and kind of get to know um, them a bit better and become a bit more comfortable in his surroundings. Um, so I still think Vassilis Barkas can be a decent keeper for him. So I'm not going to write him off yet, but maybe in terms of the other, you know, Hazard signed in a long-term deal, probably the guy that, out of the three, I'd probably be trying to ditch with Scott Bain because last season I just I don't get why he was first choice pick for Celtic. I don't think he's Celtic quality at all. So on him, I think Barkas is a chance. On Albia, yeti interesting to see him get the captain's armband yesterday. Mm. I thought he looked a bit leaner, looked a wee bit more interested. So um, again, we paid big, big money for him. Got his goal yesterday. I just hope we can make a player out of him. But again, you know, he's probably our only option up front. Obviously, Edwards didn't score yesterday, but there's still that big question mark over his future. And but we've just, you know, we've got another issue on the horizon here as well. So, yeah, I think Albion Ayeti and Vasilis Barkas could be big players for this season. So I won't write them off yet. But in terms of the striking position and probably goalkeeper, I could probably do with a couple of signings in both positions. Yeah, we've been speaking quite a bit in JP about you know these players who under a new manager uh, find a, a second wind. Uh, their Celtic careers are rejuvenated, and we've gone through some examples of the past. Do you think that perhaps one of the the big money buys from last season is that player? I'd like to think so. Uh, I'd like to think it. Well, I mean, as I said, the transfer market is in a weird state, so we're not maybe able to go out and get people from other countries as readily as as, as we might like to. Um, I saw, it's not football related, but I saw quite a horrendous stat this morning that Stuart Braithwaite shared it, saying that um, the application to Scottish universities from EU countries has dropped by 50%. Mm which is absolutely terrifying when you think about it because, you know, and then, and then apparently there was some comments from people saying, oh, well, there's more places for folk from Scotland. And it's like, well, that's not really how universities work. You know, like they rely on, you know, foreign foreign students coming over to study here. And it's quite nice the fact that that happens. So who knows what's going, what's going on in terms of the transfer market um, in terms of like signing players, so you want the guys that we've already got in the door to be to, to start doing a job for us, and if Barkas and Ayeti or both um, are two of those, then that would be, it'd be a bit of a bonus, especially when we shelled out big money for them and they've been getting big wages for an entire, well, more than a year now um, for doing very little. Let's face facts. I mean, a lot of money. I mean, if you sign for five million, your salary is going to be pretty insane. Not going to be two or three grand a week, it's going to be, I don't know, 15, 20 grand a week, somewhere in that ballpark. So, um, yeah, I think that if they're, if they're going to be, if they're sticking about, then it's time for them to step up and, and, and earn it. I found it interesting when details of Luxalt's deal 
when he left AC Milan um, came out you know and I think the the transfer fee was something like 3.1 million quid because obviously AC Milan were wanting him off the wage bill and the deal that he has just signed is worth 41 grand a week now if even if that was the exact wages he was on last season um, Celtic would have been paying roughly half of that you know so you're, you're talking about you know value for money, JP, and you would hope that almost retrospectively you can start clawing back some of the value for Barkas and for a Yeti. Uh, I know football doesn't work like that, but it would be nice. And at the moment, Declan, I'm not completely writing any any of them off, but I'm more hopeful for a Yeti. Um, I had a really good chat with Alan Morrison a few weeks back, and he was talking all around um, the, the you know the strikers that Ange likes to utilise. Um, and I think we've seen this yesterday they've got to not only work um, back and, and be defensive but they've got to win the ball back and uh, the, the interesting start talking about Lee Griffiths is that last season he didn't do that a single time and throughout the entire season he didn't win the ball back once whereas a Yeti um, his stats were pretty good and also he gave away more fouls than any other player I think um, because he was trying to win the ball back I mean you'll remember some of the ridiculous attempts that were in the ball back where he was ending up on the red ashes I would call it the, the tracks on the side of the park but at least he was fitting the mould of Ange Postecoglou um, and I think yesterday looking at it you know there was the, the fresh slate and I'm all for that yesterday we put out a, a tweet on the Axon page looking at the man of the match and I think it was interesting that uh, there's some time to go on it but at the moment Owen Moffat is winning the vote at 43% followed by Liam Shaw 37% then Sorrow at 12% held at 8% so let's have a look at some of the performers yesterday Declan we've already spoken a bit about Owen Moffat and I hope we see a lot more of that guy I mean I wouldn't like for him to go to the Colts now I just think that, you know, in order to develop them and a decision will be made uh, between quite a few heads of departments, I'm sure. I would like to see them in and around the first team squad. I know I'm talking here about, about an hour of football, but surely if you want them to develop, you don't then put them back to the fifth tier of Scottish football. It depends. I mean, we've had this conversation, you know, a couple of weeks ago in terms of it's a kind of catch-22 situation with the Colts because obviously players will want game time. At times, you know, around the first team squad, they won't be able to to get that opportunity. So it depends. Again, you know, we'd spoken earlier a couple of weeks back on whether you know guys like Ewan Henderson who went out to the Pars and McEnroe who impressed yesterday. You know, there's a level there that they can go to that is a bit higher than you know the Lowland League, and they can really you know pursue their career a wee bit more. Look at Coral to Queens Park, so. As a catch-22, I think, for Celtic's perspective, obviously you want to keep players internally in the club to then move them up to the first team and try and develop them and have a clear pathway. But there's also the point that, you know, players probably above that level, some of them. And, um, yeah, it'd be great to get, you know, constant football, but be getting constant football at a much higher level. So we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens. Um, again, it could be, you know, a, a loan out to a, a championship club. So... We'll just see what happens. Again, the the lineup on Saturday will be interesting. Um, apologies, I said Bristol City earlier. That's next week. It's Cheltenham at the weekend. So, you know, the Scotland boys will probably return and you might get some of the big cutters back like Chris Iyer and whatnot back into the team. So I'm just waiting to see what happens. But it'll be interesting to see how we do our transfer business. As I say, there'll be a pathway there for the Colts, but this week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, in terms of some guys, it might be better to send them to a you know Scottish Championship team to let them you know try and develop that wee bit further at a higher level. And that's no disrespect to any of the Lowland League clubs. Mm. And by the way, don't, don't beat yourself up about that wee uh, uh, error there, Declan. Because yesterday, I don't know if you noticed, the, the commentator called Ross County Ross City which was interesting. Uh, and when he called them Ross City, he was talking about uh, Leo Held. Now, uh, you'll remember his dad, John Olaf Held, who played for Nottingham Forest, JP, back in the 90s. 
that's his father, no? No, I don't. I don't actually. That's 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 beyond me. I mustn't have got the sticker album that that season. <laughs> uh, I would remember him if, if it was a sticker of him. I don't know. What, what's are you talking about? Ninety three, ninety-seven. I think he went oh, there. Yeah, uh, sticker albums were done for me at that point. I was I was spending all my money on uh, records on and Celtic. gig tickets. Celtic, actually. I mean, that's <laughs> that's proper when I started. You know, going to as many games as I could. Uh, when I met Mr. Michael Taggart of the Adros and Gary Owen Celtic Supporters Club, and he uh, he showed me the the way, <laughs> and uh, it's never been, it's never I've never changed that since. So never changed. Now you've given a CSC a shout out as of I Declan. Just while we're here, you want to give your CSC a wee shout out? I know that you're yeah, uh, deeply involved. Yep, many old bit old CSC and Slav Clyde Uni CSC, which we hope to kind of get up and running because we've not been able to do anything we've got Mr John Clark as our patron so hopefully we'll be able to do something with John in the next coming months fingers crossed he's, he's juggling isn't he JP yeah running right. supporters I'm clubs uh, meeting famous Hollywood actors by day coming on to <laughs> Axon by afternoon oh brilliant so um Chris Domith comes in to say Held is better than Welsh. I'm a big fan of Welsh, I've got to say, so I would rather talk about both players being very good prospects, I think, JP. I'm a big fan of Welsh. I think that he conducted himself really well under difficult circumstances last yeah. season. When he came into the team, I had been chatting to a youth coach who had seen him at youth level and he just said you know you, you look out for his distribution his, his passing ability is it's varied and it's excellent and I don't think we saw that in the early days but Alan Morrison was telling us having looked at the, the numbers uh, and he obviously runs the Celtic by numbers blog that he is up there as one of the best passers of the ball at Celtic Park Stephen mm-hmm. Welsh so I, I'm hoping to see more from him I'm hoping to see um, him establish himself you know even further as part of the first team squad and as a first pick JP but that was I've got to admit that was the first time I'd seen um, Leo Held I didn't see any of his performances for Ross County I can't remember if he played against Celtic uh, if he did I certainly didn't see him playing against Celtic Uh, but obviously John Hughes was uh, giving him lots of praise last season I thought he was solid yesterday he looked really really confident yesterday Uh, yeah he came on the third third didn't he Uh, he was as part of that that team Um, I've still got 10 minutes of that to watch so that's quite a a lot of that game really of that part of the game at the end JP is that right okay (laughs) Uh, I'm not actually I mean uh, I was working yesterday so I didn't manage to watch it live and then uh, was watching that nonsense last night with uh, England so um, yeah I haven't caught up fully on it so the last 10 minutes eluded me or evade me at the moment um, so I can't comment fully on Hield Um, I thought O'Connor looked all right going forward, um, but particularly impressed by by Shaw. And not by, I mean, it's so hard to judge on a game like this. You can't, it's not as if they played, you know, intense 90 minutes. But I saw bits from Shaw that I was like, right, he, he's, I think he's first team ready. I mean, he's mm. got a good touch. He controls it well uh, in tight spaces. He's got a good pass on him as well. He's strong, he's tall. Um, and they made, they made reference to that in the commentary that for a big guy, he's got really good close control and uh, good feet. So um, I, I did like to look at him and think we may have, may have won a watch getting him for a development fee or whatever it is we're going to have to pay for him. So, uh, yeah. It was good to see the new signing, Declan. What was your thoughts? I think uh, Joe Ledley was uh, waxing lyrical about him, like JP says. Um, very, very solid. I mean, I think when he came in, because of his age and uh, some of the transfers we had done in the past, bringing players in of that ilk, uh, maybe not seeing him for a while, uh, you know, and I know that we're playing opposition who aren't top, top calibre, but in mm-hmm. terms of what we've seen of him in a Celtic jersey, I was really impressed yesterday. Yeah, I thought he was very comfortable, you know, for his debut. Um, for Celtic I thought he moved the ball about well he was always an option in midfield and he was going you know it was described as box to box and he was running the, the channels from box to box and that can be quite a lazy um, you know description to use but I, I thought he got his sell about well and I'll be interested again to see how he develops into a player I mean the, the two boys were seen from Sheffield Wednesday you know read or anything or listen to any Sheffield Wednesday fans they said they were probably the, the best two prospects so Hopefully, again, we, we can develop those two boys into players. But I think the worry still is that, you know, we're not wanting to develop players too much, especially this season. What's at stake? We wouldn't 
first team ready guys and like you know, Starfield and other guys that we were talking about Viscovich we want guys to come in and really shake things up but again you know it's probably anybody's uh, time to play for in this re- rebuild and uh, they might get their opportunity and just impress us and can only get to see One thing uh that I think might still be a concern having seen the game yesterday JP is the right back position um, mm. and again I'm always at pains to not just go in with studs up on Anthony Ralston um, and maybe we shouldn't expect any more from him because he's been so kind of out of the picture for so long JP it must be hard to get thrown in you know he doesn't play a game I think it was for 18 months then he got a game in January remember and it was that period of time um, back in from the colds uh, he's featured in Postacoglu's first game uh, he featured in Brendan Rodgers' first game five years ago uh, as a 17 year old but I do have concerns about the right back position I mean Declan's already mentioned the two signings we've made, do you think that Uragiri could maybe be deployed at right back because we're quite short in that, that area of the park? Yeah, I mean that, that that's definitely one of the positions that you want us to go out and spend well and you know and, and, and put out a significant layout on a player that has been scouted properly and that isn't going to come in you know, be a flop and take a season to settle in or in that. I mean, you know, it's such a you see it you know, I'm no football expert by any means, but you see it now. The fullbacks on any side are so so important in a game, and we were so weakened last season in our fullback areas that it really showed in a lot of the games. And I just think, you know, we have to. I, there's no question we have to go out and spend uh, if we're going to. If we're going to, if we have a budget of. 15 million to spend on players I would really want three or four of that spent on a right back like I say who's been who's been scouted properly and you know will adapt to the environment the situation in Glasgow lockdown all of that you know not, not somebody that's you know basically been plucked from the other side of the world who's you know never lived in a culture similar or anything like that because it just it just has to be every box needs to be ticked um, on that one um, because what we've got really at the moment going into especially going imagine if we did actually qualify for the Champions League and I don't know that's a huge if but imagine if we did get in and the, and the right backs that we have at our disposal right now was all we had to go to to be <laughs> it would be behind the couch stuff I think <laughs> it would be deeply concerning I mean um, the other night there I was chatting to Russell Boyce another Axon contributor part of the team uh, we were doing the Scream of Celica show JP which is about your two loves of Celtic and music and we were looking back at a game that Celtic played against Dundee United you'll remember it uh, 1996 mm-hmm. March uh, where we scored two goals in the space of about 90 seconds at the end of the game Van Hoedonk and Tom yeah, mm-hmm. uh, both goals set up by Jackie McNamara, and when you watch the highlights of that game, what stands out is that traditional fullback, and you would expect nothing less from a Tommy Burns team. The traditional fullback overlapping up the right and up the left. You had Tosh McKinley and Jackie Mack, and I know the game's changing; it's always evolving. I completely get that, but I just look at that Celtic side, and I don't see enough. I really don't see enough in terms of imposing fullbacks. And uh, we're talking about Sheffield Wednesday, Rurik potentially having an opportunity to play right back and it takes me back actually to players who have played for both clubs for example the first one I'm going to mention I'm going to throw it at Declan because it's his big pal Kearney Jim Craig so you know he had a spell at Sheffield Wednesday um, I think when he came back from South Africa Declan I think that's right yeah it was I think it was very little appearances he made down there and then that was it over but um, South Africa I think you only actually did to get a holiday out here, he told me. So, it's not bad when you've got a profession in the background, eh, working away on the right. dentistry. Uh, we're talking about Jim, Jim Craig's dentistry last week, actually, and I failed to mention that he was the guy that did George Conley's teeth. So, George, his teammate, went into Jim's um, practice and got his, his teeth all done because some of the early photos of George he's got no front teeth when he scores that goal in the cup final against Rangers and he runs away arms aloft big big grin with no, no front teeth well Jim Craig sorted that out for him um, another right back was of course Chris Morris 
who Celtic signed from Sheffield Wednesday as well, JP. I thought he turned into a tremendous uh, player for Celtic and I thought we probably sold him prematurely. Um, and now we're looking at uh, the jersey over your right-hand side and other players that have played for Celtic and Sheffield Wednesday and you may or may not wish to, to name this individual, but who do you think is the best Italian that's played for Celtic? I mean... <laughs> push, push everyone to one side push everyone to one side I know he was a great laugh and everything else you know uh, a bit of a madcap but when I was a wee guy 14, 15 years old Paolo Di Canio was just absolutely sensational for Celtic and yes I, I, I certainly don't agree with his politics uh, or, or many other things that he's been associated with um, but as a football player, particularly when he goes over that over that white wine for Celtic, seeing that time, he was just an amazing, amazing person to have, an amazing player to be able to go and watch. Um, I remember one night, I, I, one day I was at school and I said to my mate, uh, Joff, I was like, do you want to go to the game tonight? Oh, let's just go through, let's just get tickets and go through, because you could. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the sort of, it was night, it would have been 96, I think, and it was a Tuesday or Wednesday night against Kilmarnock. And we just went through after school. I think he just passed his test, and uh, we drove through, parked up, got tickets, and Celtic battered Kilmarnock six 0 that night. And the Canio was absolutely unplayable. Like he was doing keepy uppies at the corner flag and stuff like that. It was just, it was an absolute masterclass. And uh, you know, to pay what fifteen quid or whatever to watch that at a game was just, it was just amazing. So um, yeah, I, I, I love the fact that he, you know. Despite what folks say about me, he loved Tommy Burns, you know, and Tommy Burns loved him. Like put an arm around him, and you know, uh, uh, arguably kept him at Celtic when he may have left after only a couple of weeks when he saw the standard in training. He was just like, "What have I come to here? I'm getting hospital balls in training from Peter Grant and stuff like that." And uh, but uh, yeah, thankfully he stayed for a bit. Well, the, the reason I asked that question, actually, JP, is that, you know, I, I do recall, I love interviewing uh, people, uh, uh, footballers in, in particular, and I, I was meant to be interviewing Paolo Di Canio, and uh, when that was announced, and by the way, it was uh, to benefit, in part, to benefit the Tommy Burns skin cancer charity, uh, because obviously that's run by uh, Tommy's daughters. And so there was obviously a charitable element to it, but the very fact that I had the audacity to um, agree to share a stage with the Canio had uh, caused a bit of an issue uh, among certain uh, people within the Celtic support. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, what my kind of defence was in that is that I don't, I don't agree with his politics. I, I completely oppose his politics, um, without a shadow of a doubt. I, I oppose that. Um, and in actual fact, I interviewed Professor Willie Maley, um, and the interviews on YouTube. It's a video interview, and I would check it out. It's a fantastic because of him, not because it's a fantastic interview, because he's such a character, uh, such and especially a, his father as well. Precisely, total, total legend and hero. Uh, exactly, and I asked the question, Declan, about that. You know, the this strange dichotomy between looking for a view on a player who you can't airbrush out of the history books, but a player whose fast, attractive football is everything that Celtic represents. Yet his politics is the, everything that Celtic is against, and um, it, you know. Watch the interview because Willie Mealy gives an interesting insight into his dad. Um, and as Declan uh, quite rightly said, you know, he fought uh, Franco, he fought fascism um, at a time where it was going to be, uh, it wasn't a decision taken out of his hands. He actively sought to do so. Uh, he was a revolutionary. And uh, he said, you know, he loved watching Paolo Di Canio. That I'm talking about his dad. Mm. When he was alive, he loved watching Paolo Di Canio playing for Celtic, even with the backdrop of, of um, his political leanings. So it is difficult because we're passionate Celtic fans and there's a political uh, edge to that, Declan. But if you ask a Celtic fan who's the best Italian that's ever played for Celtic, there is only one answer if you're just looking at ability. Uh, unless you want to tell me otherwise. I know I was a big fan of Donati, but I didn't think he played that many outstanding games. Well, you know, it's before my time, but that interview I thought was very interesting. James Mealy's one of my all-time heroes. 
And um, yeah, again, you know, the social history background to it, Scotland in the 1930s, and especially the, the Catholic community in Scotland, would have been actually quite pro-fascist with the Italians and the Spanish countries. Um, so, you know, the whole social history aspect of it is very interesting. And again, it's very interesting to hear, you know, one of Scotland's top professors talk about it and talk about his father and um, his love for Paulo de Canada, which I thought was incredible, a man who, who fought against fascism in the 1930s. So, again, it's a great interview. Um, it's a great uh, learning curve, I think, for anybody to, to learn about not just that, but just the whole situation there with somebody who actively went to fight against Franco in the 1930s. But um, yeah, he was a big fan of Massimo Donati. It's kind of my time. And I remember having the dark green 0708. Would that be 0708? Green away top with Donati 18 in the back. So yeah, big, big fan of Massimo Donati. And I know he's, he's got a Celtic tattoo as well. So he obviously took the club to his heart. So I'm going to be diplomatic and say Massimo Donati for me. <laughs> the Canio would have held those beliefs while he played at Celtic. It's just they weren't mm. widely known. You know what I mean? I mean, there's no way he just like changed in the in the years after Celtic. I mean, he, he he's been that way inclined. You know, probably since he was since he was a kid. Um, so you know, it, it just it just it just came to the fore after his time at Celtic, but. Yeah, it's quite. It's, it's always always quite hard and sad a bit when things like that happen to, to tarnish a player's uh, legacy, especially when he's been a hero to you know a lot of uh, a lot of young Celtic supporters at that time who had only really experienced absolutely horrendous times. Let's face it, up you know you know five six seasons of not winning anything at all and just watching uh, Rangers steam away into the distance. Well, see, see the thing with that, JP, um, and yeah, a lot of people are coming up with the golden boots, memories of the golden oh, boots, and uh, how could you, how could you forget? Uh, and I'm going to bring up, I'm going to bring this up, so I don't forget uh, about Anoni as well. But Russell was asking because that was when you're so immersed in going to the games, JP, and you remember every nuance of every game, um, unless it's an away day and, and Declan's out with his mates, you might not remember much about that day. <laughs> but um, you remember everything, don't you? And I think that uh, what Russell was trying to establish was around about that time the real change in direction that Celtic were taking because up until then we had signed very very few up until Van Hooydonk was where we started the conversation yeah. we had signed very few overseas players and we went back to you know Johannes Edvaldsson and Bert uh, Bent Martin in the 60s and 70s and of course there was a few in the 80s with a you know Jack Anoski and Dovcek, uh, for example. But uh, the only player when Van Hooydonk came to Celtic uh, from overseas, the only player that we had was Rudy Vata mm. at that point. But the, the kind of signing policy and the scouting network that Burns, Tommy Burns had created meant that we very quickly brought in players like Andreas Tom and then George Cadet and then Paolo Di Canio, of course. And, you know, also Morton Vicors, but again, Vicors was playing in Scottish football at the time. But, you know, that, that whole scouting network of bringing these players in, we signed the Canio from AC Milan. You know, we signed him from AC Milan. Um, wow. uh, it was incredible, and he was a very entertaining player, as, uh, as you know, because you've seen him. But just a very quick one on Anoni. Um, as you say, uh, he's a character. He's a, is he a cult icon? Perhaps? Ah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah a cult yeah, icon. For the coloured, uh, the multicoloured wig in the Coca-Cola Cup final alone, like that, that image of him wearing that, uh, cutting about, uh, I think it was Ibrox, wasn't it, when we won that? Um, yeah. Uh, it was, it was. Yeah. And um, I could tell you who's got the ball from that game as well, just for uh, the old Anorak. Simon you? Donnelly. Must be Simon Donnelly, no? You know who it is? It is Kevin Miles who wrote oh, the song right. Celtic My Heart My Soul mm -hmm. uh, the ball was lofted into the stand and I think his dad caught it so he's got the ball um, there you go the things you learn um, talking about interviews I had the opportunity to talk to Enrico Anoni when he was up well when he was up as if he just travelled up uh, when he was over a couple of years ago and um, I was interviewing him about the fact that he, he was able to you know nullify the threat of Brian Loudrop when we played Rangers famously he had Loudrop in his back pocket um, now 
and I didn't realise this, but Enrico Nonni doesn't speak much English, so he had his interpreter, who was his daughter, along with him. And uh, Declan, did you get a chance to see him when he was over? Did you go to the yeah, Admiral and I met, see him? I, I met yeah. him? Yeah, in David Ossie's pub, yeah, I met him Aye. that night. And uh, we were talking about the loud up thing, you know, the, the back pocket, and uh, he says, well, I had played against his big brother, Michael, who was a far better player. He said, <laughs> I had played, I'd played against Maradona. Uh, I'd played against Hulett. You know, so you're thinking about his Roma career in, in Italy. He says, so by the time I come over here and I'm playing against Loudrop, no problem. So he found him no problem because he had played against top, top class opposition. But that's what he's famous for, eh? nullifying Loudrop, um, back pocket of Loudrop. Um, oh, no, no, I know, I know. Is that right? Not of you? So there we go. Um, the golden of. ones. The golden ones were that. Well, you can get golden ones. Yeah. ones uh, they've, they've, they actually sell them in Greaves Sport. Other sports stores are available, but I was in Greaves Sport recently um, getting, a, getting a, a thing printed for my pal's uh, birthday. Um, I bought my vintage Real Madrid strip and got Loudrop 10 on the back. Like I found the lettering on eBay. And uh, got wide up ten in the back. It's the the, the Kelme strip, you know, the one yeah. with the paws. The paws. Yeah, yeah. I'm not not a fan of Real Madrid, as, as you probably know, but uh, yeah, he he loved that strip when he was younger. But they sell Cantolfodoro boots, and I was so tempted to, to get a pair. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't <laughs> I don't play football at any level other than seven sides or five sides. But I wanted to get a pair of Cantolfodoros just because of that. You know, they, they've got the gold stars on them. They look amazing. Like. Tremendous black and gold pantofle doors. Nice wee plug for Grief Sport. If you want to sponsor us, get in touch. Um, thanks everybody for getting involved in the comment section. We realise that there are some topics uh, on today's podcast that we would rather be talking about the football, but we will also react to what is happening in the world of Celtic, no matter what that story is. Uh, so thanks all for getting involved. Thank you for uh, watching us on Twitter and on Facebook, but also on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, get subscribing. Click the subscribe button. It's free. You get daily content, free charge, and you'll also be put into a prize draw to win a multi-platinum disc uh, as, as, presented, <laughs> as presented to the world. Do you want it, mate? <laughs> I love it, yeah. Wait till you see some of the other prizes. We've got prizes that will keep us going for a year, and we'll have at least a monthly prize draw. Sometimes it will be fortnightly, and we'll be giving away loads of incredible prizes. Just subscribe to us on YouTube. That's all you need to do. Uh, all that's left for me to say is thank you to JP Mason and Declan McConville once again. It's been an absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.